Hello and welcome back to the Joshua Greeny podcast. This is part two of the episode with Logan Creech. We took a short little intermission, decided just to make this a second episode or part two. Uh, and we're going to we're going to actually start with uh, some relationship stuff. So we're doing a hard hard segue. Um, I had mentioned over the over the intermission um, that I was married, and I and I looked at Logan. I was like, "Have have I mentioned this yet?" He goes, "No." And so, okay. So uh, for those of you who listened to the podcast with with Derek D E R E K, uh, where we talked a lot, we talked about some mental health and stuff, and, and that's a little uh, preface for stuff we're going to talk talk about also on this uh, this second part of the episode but uh when i was talking with him i had mentioned a little bit about the situation with my with my wife michaela and some of the information i gave was based on what i was thinking was going on uh but i wasn't certain and there's actually been some updates so i was incorrect on some stuff there so essentially this is what's going on and so i told some of this to logan i'll, I'll repeat it just for for you guys but I was under the impression that my wife had uh, had already given birth to my son. Uh, the due date was was initially June twenty eighth, and um, the plan was for her to be induced on the twenty third of June. So this is twenty twenty two, and then to give birth on the, by the twenty fourth, twenty fifth. You know, that was kind of what I was expecting. Um, the relationship right now with, with my wife is a bit rocky (laughs) to say the least for those who are wondering, um, she's up in Michigan. I'm in Northern Kentucky. Uh, we're working through this. I haven't given up on the relationship and I'm telling this to all you guys out there just, um, just to let you guys know, like, look, you know, relationships are difficult. I, I did not expect this to be just all, you know, uh, what is it? What's the phrase? Like rainbows and roses and flowers or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like I expected it to be to, to to have to take some effort, and I'm willing to put in as much as I need to to be able to make this work. And so, you know, that's I'm I'm saying this to you guys just to, uh, I mean, maybe you can keep me accountable to some extent, but um, especially having a son in tow. So my my son's name is Elijah Paul, and I was able to speak with uh, with a relative up there and a, a extended relative or extended family member who is is more closely related with my wife. In other words, on my wife's side of the family. And um, he was able to let me know uh, when I spoke with him. He said, "He said, oh no, no, she hasn't given birth yet." He goes, "Not yet." And I was like, "Oh, it's like I just was under the impression that that had already happened." He's like, "No, no, she has not given birth yet." So, you know, he 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 was good, good family member. I have much respect for this guy. Um, I'll keep his information private just so <laughs> so he's not on blast here for the for the podcast. But very helpful person, uh, very respectful. Uh, did not want to uh, badmouth anybody, anybody, or give uh, a negative light on on my on my wife, which I highly respect. Um, and also said the same. He's like, "Look, I, you know, if if it comes up, I'll mention that I've spoken with you. But this is you guys. This is your relationship. You got to work it out. This is this is your territory." It's like, great, that's perfect. So anyway, um, so some of what I was telling uh, Logan beforehand uh, was I got married last year, August eighth. Uh, I was I met my wife over over a, a dating app, specifically the the Bumble dating app. And for those who aren't aware of all the stuff, like I've never been a big uh, what do you call it, like dating app type stuff. Mm-hmm. Never been a big dater, just in general. Like I I've, uh, before before 2021, which is when I was uh, using these dating apps, I had like done none of this. Been on very few dates. Had two ex girlfriends in my past. Um, I won't get into all that right now, but with 
with my with the dating apps, the part of the reason why I went to that was I was like, man, I don't know anybody in my life currently right now, you know, any females that 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 I know very well or that I grew up with. Part of this because of military, um, and the ones in the past that maybe I'm friends with on Facebook, they're either married or, um, yeah, most of them are just married, like or, or I just didn't know them. So it was like, okay, I'm basically going to if I end up in a relationship, it's going to be with a almost a complete stranger. Like that's just the, that's where I'm at in, in my life. And so, so then it was like, well, why not shoot for like the, the, the dating apps potentially, you know, maybe there's something there, you know, and I was kind of more on a, on, on a spiritual journey too of going, all right, God, you know, you're up there and control the stuff that I'm not. So let's see how this works and I'll just trust you with it. So long story short, the Bumble dating app specifically, the, the, I think the distinctive characteristic about that, to my knowledge, is you can swipe. Was it swipe right? Like, ooh, I like this person. I I'm going to swipe so. I'm right. I'm not on. sure. I've never used one. So you swipe one direction to say, "Hey, I'm interested in this person." You swipe the other direction to say, "I'm not interested." So I just started swiping right. Like I set the settings up to, okay, I want this type of a your person, maybe this kind of a religious background. Um, you know, to try and get an idea of like, I want somebody who at least claims to be kind of in the same camp that I'm at. You know, to minimize the the uh, the issues and stuff that might come up and differences of opinion and worldviews and perspectives. I think that's important. So we want some shared values. And then from there, it's like, I'm just going to keep swiping on, you know, forever, essentially. I mean, I swiped a ton because the way that's set up is the women have to reach out to you first. So it doesn't matter if you sit there and analyze and be like, ooh, these ten, these are the 10 women I could be interested in. Like these seem like, well, it doesn't matter if they don't reach out to you. So I was like, I'm just going to swipe and then whoever finds me interesting will go from there. And I'm, I'm, well, you know, I'm open to anybody, essentially. Anybody that, that I click with that's, that we can build a relationship with, let's do it. So I got to a point, and I told Logan, I probably talked with upwards of 100 women, probably more than that. But tons were reaching out, and part of it was because of the, the way I was swiping and stuff. And so a lot of them were just short little text messages. Sometimes there were some, some coffee dates. Uh, some very in-depth conversations. I was like, I'm putting all my cards on the table. Um, you know, there's there's nothing. I'm I'm very honest and upfront with this is what I'm doing. I'm not here for games. I I'm looking for somebody that I can share my life with. And so I, you know, it, depending on the person, we get to a, a certain level of conversation. But um, and there were some that was very quick. We were like, you know what? I don't think we're meant for each other. But this was a really good conversation. So you know, thank you for that, and best of luck. And I hope you, you know, wish you all the best. So it was some very positive experiences. But to the point, there got to a point where I was kind of getting tired of just the whole stress of the dating stuff and all the time it took. And I was like, you know what? This isn't working. I'm about on the verge of giving up. And then that's when I came across uh, my wife, Michaela. And you know, at the time, not my wife, but I end up uh, reaching out to her. Uh, we decided to talk. Um, this was on the, the August 7th, so before August 8th. And, dude, this is the crazy part, and I'm going to get so much flack from any family members who have not heard this story, and many of them have not. Um, but I literally, and, Logan, you're going <laughs> to, kind of, I'm kind of poised right now to see how you're going to respond. So August 7th, 11.30-ish p.m., I'm talking with her on the phone. I've only texted a few times with her about basically like, hey, let's set up and, and talk. August, so we start talking. It's, it goes into August 8th, right, because it's past midnight. We end up talking for the entire night. Uh, we were only expecting to talk about two hours. But within that, 
I basically came to the conclusion. I was like, this is the one. She's the one. And she also came to the same conclusion. She's like, this is the guy I'm looking for. This is the guy that my parents were praying for. Like, this is it. And so we basically made a, a commitment to to each other at that point. Like it was in the sense like before God. Like we didn't have a marriage license. We didn't go get a pastor, officiate a marriage. And I'm not I'm not against all that. I'm not saying that that's all that's like evil or, or wrong. I, I have issues with some of it, but and, and only to an extent. But I basically told him like, look, I think I I can't believe this, but based on stuff you're saying, and those were kind of like answers to my own you know, prayers that I haven't shared with anybody. Based on stuff you're saying, that's very specific, <laughs> and based on stuff I had said, where she's like, well, yeah, I had this, I remember this, that, and the other. So we both both never met her in person, had only seen her her profile picture. Same with uh, with with me, but we both made a commitment, and we're both like, yeah, we want to do this. And so from that point, I was like, okay, we're then basically as far as as far as I'm concerned, with my convictions, my understanding of like the way marriage works on a spiritual level. And again, I'm gleaning kind of from like the biblical literature stuff that I've grown up with. Um, I was like, we're we're married as far as I as far as I can tell, and I felt very comfortable with that. That stuff I had studied on my own, trying to figure out like what does it mean to be married? Like, what is that kind of a commitment? What kind of a vow is that? You know, so so from that point forward, dude, August eighth over the phone because of a Bumble dating app, I married a complete stranger. Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> So I have kind of the opposite story. Okay. Um. So um, I met Ooh. my girlfriend in high school. I met my girlfriend in high school. We um went to elementary, not elementary school. We went to middle school and high school together. Okay. Came friends at like the later ends of middle school. Um, but uh, we've been together for like four and a half years now. Okay. I'm twenty. She's twenty. Um, I'm hoping. To like marry her like this year. As I now, like, does she know this or is this brand? Uh, she has been like, "You're gonna propose to me." <laughs> We're not getting married. I just want to. I want to get engaged with her this year. That's the plan. Mm. Um, I would love to. She's a beautiful woman. I love her. <laughs> I love her a lot. Like uh, with work right now, we're had, she's having a. We're, having some time where we don't get to spend as much time together as we were. And it's, it's killing both of us. Cause mm. we've, uh, we've lived together for like two years now. And, uh, we both decided that we're not going to get officially married till both of us graduate school. Okay. So we, uh, know that the other one's not going to quit out on us. Um, basically this is the same thing my parents did. And the, the weird thing is her parents were high school sweethearts and my parents were also high school sweethearts. Hmm. And we're high school sweethearts. And my brother has been in a re- in a relationship for almost a year now. And he's in high school right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we've been together since my sophomore year of high school. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I can't see myself with anybody else. Oh, sorry. Say that one more time. I, can't, I can't see with, I can't see myself with anybody else but her. Dude, that's good. And, so if your girlfriend's listening to this, which she probably will be, she the, just te- texted me asking me how the podcast was going. I was like, "Great." <laughs> so it, I, I can I can at least say this. Like I don't know I don't know I don't know Logan very very well. Other, but I I do know him better than uh, uh, what, what's your 
Do you mind if I ask what your girlfriend's uh, name is? Pam. Pam. So I don't know Pam that well. I remember you from Luck 5 because Logan pointed you out at that point. He was like, yeah, that's my girlfriend over there. I was like, oh, okay, okay. Because he had mentioned you a few times in conversation. But I can see the sincerity on Logan's face right now. Y'all can't yeah, see I, that. I but, love her. And that's a good so thing. Much. Dude, that's a good thing, man. Like that. So my, my parents, they met in college. They were college sweethearts. Um, but I didn't... I, <laughs> I did not meet anybody in in college that I was like, "Yep, she's the one." Like it, it was a small college, so. But I was looking for that, uh, and then realized I'm like, "Dude, I've I've got so much on my plate in terms of studies. I'm going to do this first, and then I'll find a spouse." Like that's kind of the thing, and it just didn't work out, man. Like it just didn't work out. I kept trying to find different people, or thought maybe if I'm pursuing, you know, uh, you know, in in my job settings and stuff, maybe I'll come across somebody that's you know looking for the same type of stuff. Like if you're pursuing a field that you enjoy, the likelihood that you'll find somebody else who's pursuing the same type of thing that they enjoy. Or in other words, it just makes sense that you'd come across people. That, yeah. That both have the same sh- interests. Yeah. And it, it just didn't happen. I met a lot of cool people though. What did you major in again? Oh, that's a good question. So I wanted to study science. I've always loved science. Oh man, I feel bad for saying this. But the, the main professor who headed up the science department, I loved the guy to death, man. He was so fun to talk with. And I'm not going to mention his name, but he could not teach to save his life, man. <laughs> yeah, I hate professors like that, man. <laughs> Great guy. Like, I love the guy. But he just he doesn't have the teaching teaching gift. Like, it's yeah. not he's not a yeah. teacher. He is a, a great scientist, a great researcher. Uh, he's written some books, I believe, too fascinating ideas and again i loved talking with him and i do want you on my podcast like he's somebody i want to reach out to but that's, he could that's teach. the problem with college professors is they didn't go to school with a passion of teaching they kind of did that on the side yeah like you know what i'll like just go teach at this college it. and get some money to do my research mm-hmm. so the, we we need to change that man we, we need these researchers who are doing amazing stuff and having good conversations we need to put them somewhere where they can use their passions but let the teachers do the teaching. Mm-hmm. But, uh, getting back to the whole girlfriend, yeah. teacher, fiance, <laughs> wife situation. Oh, and I majored in Bible. It was just Bible. a general Bible degree. You would get a minor in it no matter what. And I didn't know what to study, so I studied. I was like, I'll just get a general in, in biblical literature studies, so Bible, and then use my electives to study whatever I want to study. So I just kind of did a hodgepodge. Okay. okay, so that okay. go ahead though. Go yeah, ahead. but uh, almost going on five years right now. I believe five years. Um, we never broke up once. We had a couple mm. rocky patches, but everybody does. Um, that was back in high school. We haven't had a major fight in a long time. I wouldn't say never broke mm. up. Been together the entire time. Dude, yeah. that's good. That's that's a track record that proves that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So. Uh, I'm hoping it works out for sure, <laughs> dude. I'm hoping for it too. So I'm, I'm rooting for uh, for Logan and Pam here. Just so you know, Pam. Yeah, all of, all of our friends of are like, if you guys break up, it's gonna break our hearts. You cannot oh. do that because we're like, a, we've always been a pair since like high school. So dude, that's good. They're used to getting Logan and Pam. Oh man, that's making me think of another guy that I've reached out to. Uh, he's he's married, but he married his squad, uh, his uh, high school sweetheart too. Uh, another former coworker at a at a museum in the area, uh, the Creation Museum. I'll go ahead and shout them out. But um, you know who you are, bro. I'm. You got to answer my texts, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. Hmm. Okay. So so, but going on five years, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, let's see. We we talked about we, one of the things we definitely want to mention in this uh, the second part of this episode is uh, was mental health. Now, mental health, I think, is is something, and I'm segueing, but I, I really do see a connection here because I've seen people like they'll get into a relationship and their mental oh, health that's declines. What I was going to mention. Yeah, it's definitely affected. So you, I mean, there's so much about relationships with people, and this could be this doesn't have to be like an intimate, you know, boyfriend girlfriend thing. This could just be some buddies or family members. There, there's there's so much that's affected that your your mental health can be affected by. So. Um. Well, I was going to mention first off that um, we grew up, there was a lot of, like, people that were in relationships all through high school, like, with us. But the, they got into problems with, like, uh, you couldn't just hang out with one of them. They'd hog each other, and, mm. like, they were better to hang out with by themselves, and they are just kind of toxic a little bit whenever they're together, and it's it's rough. Um, it was rough on some friendships, but... Mm. Um, uh, we've never had any problems like that. So we got some good examples on what bad relationships look like in a lot of our friend groups. And, um, luckily we haven't had any problems. Um, but to go into like mental health stuff, um, I struggle with, um, some mental health issues. One of the biggest thing is, um, I was been meaning to mention this cause I like, I try to tell everybody, but I was waiting for the podcast, but I have something called misophonia. Misophonia. Yeah. Okay. So basically any kind of the, it, the definition of it is the hatred of noise, the hatred of, Ooh, okay. The The hatred hatred of of noise or sounds, but, uh, any kind of mouth noise breathing noise, eating noise. Um, like if you're slurping on a slushy or something, anything like that, and it'll cause me to have like panic attacks. Really? Yeah. So it's not just like, oh, I don't like it. It's like no, literally it's, anxiety. It's a, I, I go from like, I go from friendly, I like you, you're my favorite person in the world, you could be my grandma, you snap one chip in front of me and I'm ready to kill you. No Dude, remorse. Dude, you, yeah. you should have told this before I started slurping on my no, coffee. I heard you slurp. <laughs> you, I was watching whenever you were getting your first sip of coffee, I was like, is this dude going to be a coffee slurper? Oh, but dude, I wonder weren't. if. I wonder if my mom has some of that because, well, it's not so much the anxiety, but she hates it when my dad slurps his ice cream. <laughs> She's like, honey, why do you have to? I, Dude, I, I don't know what it is, mom, but uh, there's something genetic there because I do the same thing with my ice cream a lot of times. It's not as bad as my dad's. <laughs> yeah, but like um, it, it, it's really affected me to where I can't go out to restaurants and eat with my friends. Oh wow! Or I can't go on dinner dates with my girlfriend, and if I do, I have to keep my headphones on and in full blast playing something the entire time. Now, has this been something you've had like for your entire life, um, or since puberty? Since puberty. So around it started around sixth grade, about eleven years old, probably. Okay. Now, have you so in terms of like maybe researching it? Like, what what do you think is the the cause of it? Or it could I think it might be a little bit genetics because there's some people in my family that have had some similar problems with it, um, but not to the degree that I have the problems with it. Okay. Um, uh, but they have done recent, like, studies on it, like the brain waves that come up, and, like, if I hear somebody chewing, it triggers the same um, nerves in my brain mm-hmm. as if I was chewing. 
So it almost like feels like somebody's taking over your body and you can't get them out. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, so it, it's it's like my fight or flight instantly kicks in. Oh, dude, that is fascinating. Yeah. Just the way you worded that. Yeah. Huh. I feel like a trap coyote. Like I backed into a corner and then I, I can't, I got to either fight or run and I can't run. Sometimes dude, I can't that... run away from it, but. So it, so it's, it's almost like, dude, that's actually fascinating because that, that almost kind of, that makes me think of like the sleep paralysis thing that you talked about earlier in the, the first half of the podcast where you were talking, it's, it's that sense of like, you're, you're, you're not in control of yourself or you, you, okay. So let me, let me put this out there. I've had stuff where I was like, okay, have you ever had these? And this is, this is to more than just Logan here. Have you ever had those dreams where like, maybe there's an adversary that comes up and you're like poised to get in a fight with them and you're like, okay, I can take this guy. And then you go to like punch him and you like punch in oh, slow yeah, this, motion. This, I hate the slow motion. Because <laughs> I fight in my dreams a lot. Dude. And the, the slow motion punches always get me. Or everything feels heavy and you're just like, oh, I can't do it. And then you get hit in the face and it's like, and then you probably wake up and it's like, oh, man. No, I get in fist fights and I'm full slow-mo like <laughs> throwing everything I got at it. See, okay, shout out to, again, I've mentioned him on the podcast, I think, but Chip Townsend, he was a, an amazing, amazing, very passionate, and I say was, still is an amazingly passionate martial artist for Taekwondo uh, down in, uh, in Abilene, Texas with, uh, with, I think it's Chip, Team Chip, Team Chip Martial Arts, I believe. Um, the guy is just, he's, a, he's amazing. He's dedicated to his, his art. Um, but there, I remember him talking about they have a, a big headboard and his wife is also a big time martial art martial artist too, and all of his all of his kids are too, to my understanding. But so they are like a martial arts couple, and on their bed, I think they have like a really uh, what is it the, the the headboard and then is it footboard? I'm not, yeah, I think it's called footboard. But it's th- these are like thick thick wood, and I remember him saying he was asking his wife, he's like, what what is this dent or this ding here or whatever? And the she's like, well, yeah, you kicked that in your sleep. And the dude had like perfect form with his stuff. So he'd even mention a lot of times if he hurts, if he hurts himself, it's because he's kicking or punching something in his sleep and <laughs> he'd kick the footboard. Dude, one time I was sleeping in like a bunk bed with one of my friends and mm-hmm. we got into a fist fight in our sleep. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like one of us punched out and then the other one felt it and punched out too. And then we got in like a fist fight in our sleep. I never woke up for it, but he said that he woke up and he had been like fighting me. Dude, that's funny, man. Yeah, it is. I had a I had a dream recently that um, I like knocked my little brother out. Oh my goodness! So in the dream you did, or yeah, in, I, I did in the dream, and oh, then okay. I, I texted him the morning after. I was like, "Bro, I slept your ass and <laughs> in my dream last night. Like you folded like a pancake." <laughs> he was like, "Hmm, hmm, yeah, sure, you did." <laughs> Only in your dreams, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> or brother. Yeah, dude's got a chin on him, my little brother does. <laughs> oh, man. So, misophobia. Okay, I think, now that you've mentioned that term, I'm I'm almost wondering if my wife, Michaela, has had this, maybe still does to an extent, because I've noticed, like, I, I might put on a specific song or something, and, you know, maybe it's the, I mean, this could be even down to just the, the quality of the recording, but... Sometimes like a high note or, or some kind of a sound just will irritate her. And she's like, oh, I, I, can you turn that off? I just don't like it. And I was like, why? And she's like, there's just something something about the sound. So I 
I've noticed that a lot. Uh, in I think he can. I think. Um, I think that some of the stuff could be uh, not with me personally, but I think uh, a lot of this is a totally different subject. We're still about mental health. I think that, like what you what you're talking about, kind of reminds me of somebody with autism. Oh, okay. and I, I think that autism is superly like underdiagnosed. I think that everybody has it to like a it's like on a spectrum. Okay, that and makes I, sense. I believe because there's a lot of people who have a lot of problems with texture and stuff like that that yes. never get diagnosed with autism. And I know, especially in girls, it's super undiagnosed. See, I've noticed that a lot, even with the okay. So some of the women that I would talk with um, when I was when I was doing the bubble dating stuff. And I think Facebook dating, I did the Facebook dating app for, for a little while too. And, um, you know, shout out to all these, these people who, again, if you're, if you've stumbled upon this podcast, I had some really amazing conversations with some of you ladies. And I say some, because, you know, there are some people with just a few text messages and that was about it, but there were some very good conversations. And I remember a few that I talked with that kind of, they, I think they had stuff that you're talking about that might be kind of like autism to some degree. With regard to like a, a, a higher level of sensitivity, yeah, borderline super, irritation. I think it's super undiagnosed. I think a lot of people have it more than what they say. Yes. Now, okay, now this also made me think of something else. Um, I remember the first time that I realized that I was actually having dreams about textures. And when I say dreams about textures, I mean I remember having dreams that I didn't understand where it was like this vague visualization and it's hard to describe but imagine if you will like a, a yellow background it's almost like a green screen but it's a yellow background this almost looks like a like a simple two-dimensional video game uh there would be like this black dot uh, almost like a ball and there's like a black surface uh you know think of like mario you know the, the original mario games where you have like the surface he's walking on da, 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 and he's jumping so imagine something that's like two-dimensional like that but it's just yellow and then there's a black ground just black and then there's a black dot and this black dot was like bouncing like a little bouncy ball and it was moving from left to right so kind of like the mario games in, in, that, in that sense and as it would bounce it would it would come across like maybe some like black lines that were like sticks or just, you know, squiggles or circles or whatever, just a random debris, but it was just very, um, like a silhouette. It's all just black stuff and it would, it would get entangled in it and that would kind of keep it from being able to move forward. Um, and then this, but the, sometimes the ball would continue to bounce and get over it and, and get through it. And, connected with that was like textures so like when there was no obstacles it was like a smooth surface now i didn't realize that my brain was like i was dreaming about textures and then my brain was trying to put you know process it visually it's like a visual interpretation my brain's just trying to figure out some way to represent it but the the point when i realized that i think i was rubbing my hand on the carpet one day or on like a, a sofa or something and it suddenly triggered a memory of a dream of this ball that was you know kind of bouncing this black ball that's bouncing and getting entangled and, and mixed up in some of the you know these these you know obstacles let's say and then i was like that 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 reminds me of my why is it oh, i'm dreaming about textures and so then i remember thinking like dude what if i were blind 
could I still have dreams? I was like, I think I could. Because I've heard about people who are blind who have dreams. I'm like, well, what kind of a dream would they have? What would they dream about? Well, maybe they would dream about textures or sounds or whatever else. And maybe there'd be some kind of a visual interpretation that's in their mind. Maybe different than what I'm in, you know, visualizing. But maybe the, the brain would do something uh, for, for somebody who's blind that would be different than somebody who can see. Dreams are super interesting concept do you have very many like lucid dreams no i don't think i've ever had a lucid. so uh, define lucid dream for like those who can are control the dream basically. i don't think i have i don't think i have to my knowledge See, most of my dreams are fairly lucid like i can control what i'm doing in my dreams say that again into the mic was let me turn it a little bit more uh, most of my dreams are like are fairly lucid uh, and i can control what i do in a lot of my dreams um, and my mom's the same way. Um, but I think there's a lot more to dreaming than science really knows. I agree, yeah. Um, one interesting story I can tell you is um, uh, one night I was laying in bed, and I swear to God I was not asleep at hmm. all, right? And I see my mom come into the room, and I get this eerie feeling like I'm stuck. Mm. Like, just in shock. She comes walking in, and then she looks at me, and she smiles. I mean, not like a, a scary smile, just like a loving smile. Mm-hmm. She turns to me. She turns away from me, walks into my closet, and floats through the ceiling. Dang. <laughs> and my mom, almost every one of her dreams are lucid dreams. And I think that maybe she was doing, do you know what astral projecting is? Yeah, I've heard of that. Yes. Yeah. So basically, the concept of astral projecting is like you go in, you can go into different realities and explore them in your dreams, mm-hmm. in your sleep. And I think she, part of me feels like she was astrally astral projecting throughout our house, and somehow I could see her. Dude, so so you're saying maybe so this is at night. Yeah. You're dreaming this, and you're saying potentially your your mom was also kind of dreaming, lucid dreaming, astral projecting yeah. simultaneously. And that was kind of, okay, so this is this is starting to sound like uh, stuff that would inspire like the film Inception where you have uh, dreams where they're connected. Now they use technology uh, to, to do that. I hope I'm not running this film for, for those who haven't seen it. I'm not giving away big spoilers, but Inception, for those who haven't seen it, it's a great film for if you're, especially if you're a deep thinker and love psychology and stuff like that and, and just deep concepts. I love the um, Christopher Nolan, amazing, amazing movie director. Okay, so Inception has Leonardo DiCaprio as the main character. Um, it has uh, <laughs> the controversial figure Ellen Page, who is now uh, identifies as, as a man and has changed her name to Elliot Page. And I know I've offended people with the pronouns, but I'm trying to talk about her in the past. So at this point in time, she would have identified as a woman, as Ellen Page, and as a character in the film, and did a phenomenal job as the character. So... Don't hate on me, guys. I'm doing my best here. So <laughs> Inception was a great film, and, and I loved the, the characters. Um, in the dream, or in the movie, basically they have a, a te- technological device that is able to allow them to induce dreams and to then enter kind of subconscious levels that are like, uh, you know, well, they're subconscious, they're below, and so there's certain levels, and then there's like a, a level of, oh, what is it called? It starts, I think, with an L. It's like, it's not purgatory. It's, oh, I, it'll come to me. Luminous space or something. 
uh, it was something. It's like liminal you drop space or not liminal. It was not subliminal. I think it started with an L. I could be wrong. I can look it up. But basically, there's like if you go beyond this lower level, you'll be stuck in basically a realm you can't escape from. It's like you've you've lost yourself essentially. It'll come to me, guys. I know there's people out there cringing, and you're probably yelling right now, going, "It's this, Josh. Come on, man." But anyway. The point is, they go down to these various levels, and they have interactions with the people who are also connected up with this technological device, so that they can share the dream space together. And so, there's a whole plan. They have a whole plot where they're trying to basically communicate with a certain person uh, in a dream at such a deep level of their being that they basically put an idea into that person's psyche let's say down at like the the lowest level the the most fundamental level of their mind so that that is embraced and then they believe that they've had this idea all by themselves and then that provokes a certain decision that's made like that's the plan and it's risky because you're having to go all the way down to these levels of dreams and the dream world is unstable and have you ever seen inception no i have not seen it Okay, I don't think I've, I'm going to stop there because I don't think I've done too many spoilers. That's just the concepts that's being presented. It's a fascinating film, dude. I think yeah, you'd love sound, it. it sounds fun. I don't watch very many movies. Okay. And that, you know what, uh, it kind of ties back to the whole Mesa funny thing. I can't go to movie theaters because everybody's eating popcorn. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Mm, so I don't get to watch very many movies. Huh. Yeah, it, it really sucks. <laughs> so, now, with, with going back to the, the subject... Would you consider yourself then being like a, on the spectrum of autism? Is no, that I don't. Weird? I don't have texture issues or anything. I think I just have the misophonia. Okay, just the misophonia. Yeah, but I sounds. have friends that definitely could get checked for autism. Okay, and I've known. I, my mom is. Um, she's director of special ed in mm-hmm. my county, so she she knows a lot about uh, special needs kids and stuff, and. Uh, She's really good at reading people. Her and my dad both are super good at reading people. Okay. And I've picked up on that a lot, and I can kind of, like, sense some stuff that's going on behind the, the doors of some people. Interesting. So kind of almost like an empathic yeah, uh, kinda. to some degree. Okay. Yeah, they do a lot of people watching. Yeah, dude, that's actually a fun hobby. Yeah. Like if you watch people, if you observe just how they do things, uh, I, I one day because I swear my dad's a wizard. I swear <laughs> he knows everything. Everything. Uh, examples I won't bring up on the podcast. But <laughs> he knows everything, like just intuitively. One time we went to a random drive-through, and he guessed the basically exactly what the drive-through worker looked like based off of her voice. Wow! And I was like, "What in the world? My dad is a wizard." That's. You know what? That's actually making me think. My dad's good with uh, with like impressions, vo- mm-hmm. vocal, you know, voice impressions, mm-hmm. and so sometimes he'll be like, just based on the person's voice, he'll be like, "Watch," and because he's done stuff like, "Watch, we're we're gonna see, it's, she's gonna look like this or he's gonna look like that," and a lot of times he'd be right. You know, it'd be general statements where mm-hmm. he's like, "I bet this this." Sometimes he was wrong. He's like, well, I guess I was wrong, but maybe it's something about this. Sometimes it would be more of analyzing the, the voice and like how the vocal cords work. So mm-hmm. you, maybe the person has like a fatter neck and so they have a, a deeper resonance or something or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, it's just funny. You said your dad though nailed like the description. Yeah. So that's something yeah, even beyond wild. that. Okay. Um, so let me ask this. Your parents with their, do, do they have like a specific religious uh, adherence or something or? 
Are they more? Uh, they claim to be Christians. Don't really go to church. Don't really do too much religion stuff. But uh, for the most part, fairly Christian. Yeah. Okay. Because the next question I was going to ask was, do you think, or do you? Well, was your mom like deliberately astral projecting? Is that something she does as a practice, or was it just something you think may have happened? No, I think she's just got a strong connection with that part of herself. Because, like I said, she mostly most of her dreams, she lucid dreams and controls everything in there. Okay, now a question on lucid dreaming. When you say control, does that mean controlling only your own actions or things that happen around you? She can control things that happen around her. Okay, now that's interesting. I can control my own actions more than than, uh, uh, she's better at it than I am. (laughs) Interesting. But you can get better at it if you want to learn how to do it. There's all kind of guides online on how to lucid dream. See, I've, I've explored some YouTube videos on that topic. This was so. I think this goes back to 2018 when I was kind of exploring just just for the the sake of curiosity, um, and I mean, I say for the sake of curiosity, it's so difficult to know like where where does your motivation from stuff come from? It could come from stuff that you're not even aware of. It could be the people you're in contact with, um, and maybe their interests just kind of you know kind of rubbing shoulders with people. And but I do know that there were um, there were people in my life. And a, specifically, a guy named Jordan Peterson. Who are you familiar with? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we had talked about that a little bit back in like five days. Um, but the the guy, for those who don't know Jordan Peterson, he's a, a clinical psychologist from Canada, uh, so Canadian. And shout out to Canada, man! <laughs> you produced Jordan Peterson, I, and uh, I'm a huge fan of the guy. Planning a lot of to go socialists, though. <laughs> Say again. I said a lot of socialists in Canada, though. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of socialists there. Steven Crowder, again, uh, throwback to the, the first half of this podcast. He's from Canada, I believe, but uh, he, he hates the socialism up there, so he stands against that. And it's just funny to hear him talk about it. Yeah. So, But with, uh, with this Jordan Peterson guy, he's made statements um, in some of the many, like, multiplicity of, of lectures and clips and videos. Like, he's all over the place on YouTube and just the Internet and around the world. Um and I lost my track of where I was going with what I was saying. I think he was, we were talking about lucid dreams. We were talking about controlling stuff. Oh, looking, so back in 2018, I was looking into stuff like psychedelics, specifically DMT, uh, and the... the oh, I can, I can talk about that stuff. Okay, so go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> I'm under the belief that you can access different realms with, um, with throughout... Using psychedelic uh, drugs, kind of like I mm-hmm. believe that you can in sleeping too. Um, but um, I think that they're really good. You can use them for therapeutic purposes and stuff. I've never tried a psychoactive substance. Yeah, neither have I. Um, but that's mostly because I'm worried that I will become schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. Um, There's the danger of that. Well, I believe that's true. The thing is, I've always had a super not great grasp on reality mm. like most of my time being here feels like a dream mm-hmm. and um like i recently got put on an antipsychotic for that really like with uh, like two weeks ago i got put on an antidepressant and an antipsychotic um wow see that's fascinating to me yeah so it it got it's got a little bit like worse over the years mm. where like i have trouble with reality, and then I think like cars are following me and stuff, and oh, okay. are watching me. Like uh, just just right now, I freaked myself out because I thought that above your counters 
it was like there was no wall above your counter so that you could sit stuff on top of it. Okay, you know what's interesting about that? Okay, I've never mentioned this to, definitely not on my podcast thus far, but I've, I don't really share this detail with many people. Um, now you're about to. <laughs> and I'm about to, yeah. But there was a point in 2019 when I was in, at DHL, um, and th- there, there was like a spiritual awakening that happened in my life, and I'll probably share that more in depth on a on a specific, like I'll dedicate a podcast. Maybe it'll just be me talking, uh, just sharing that whole story. But after that kind of happened, there was a point where I started, I started noticing a lot more connections and things, and I felt like there was stuff being revealed uh, to me in some sense. I think you it, talked about that a lot on your first podcast. Yeah, I did. Yeah, the, yeah. I think it was just the one that I called prayer. I think you called it. Yeah, I think you called it prayer. Prayer twenty twenty one. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, the very first one where I was just kind of, kind of rambling about a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, thank, thanks for shouting that out. Bro. Yeah, <laughs> but it, yeah, I shared a little bit on that. Um, there was a lot more that I didn't share. Um, so I'll have to, I'll have to do that more in depth at one point uh, in the future. <laughs> but essentially, I was, I was noticing a lot of different connections and things happening uh, with with coworkers and stuff, and kind of getting some like insights that I don't think I ever would have really picked up on prior to that. And there was one thing I kept noticing in terms of almost like borderline hallucinations. Mm-hmm. I mean, these were mild ones, so it'd be like I think I'd see you know maybe something moving. You know, maybe there's like a spot on the wall, and I just noticed it, and it looked like it jumped. And then I'd look at it closer. I'm like, okay, it didn't jump. It didn't move. Or kind of like what you were saying, where it's like you just yeah. think that something's not there. But, yeah, you know, I would yeah, have I those like, types of things. I'm like, I was like, this house has switched. We switched realities. What's going on here? Dude, have you seen Stranger Things? Yeah. Uh, dude, I have a, okay. I haven't I, watched the newest season that just came out, but. I've only seen the first and second. Oh, I've so seen. So no spoilers. Okay. <laughs> no, go okay. ahead, go ahead. No, I was just saying that uh, just struggle with reality type stuff. And um, to be clear to anybody listening, psychoactive substances like LSE, mushrooms, DMT, will not cause you to have schizophrenia. It is only if you are already going to have it, it can speed it up. Mm. So it's not going to cause you to have schizophrenia. But if you're bound to have schizophrenia, then it will. it could speed up the process of it developing. Okay, that's an interesting... That that seems to make sense, at least yeah. from my limited experience with studying it. And yeah, but you can get things like um, you can get stuck in a trip, kinda, and have the visuals and stuff like that. I think a lot of people think that they they are like freaking out and they have almost become schizophrenic from it. But in a lot of ways, I feel like a lot of people are asleep. Uh, to a lot of things in their life, and once they do a psychoactive drug, it kind of opens their third eye, and they can see more stuff that's going on, uh, and they they mistake that for thinking that they've got something wrong with them, when in reality, all that stuff was happening all along, you just couldn't see it. Okay. But Keep that's going. coming from somebody on an antipsychotic, who <laughs> so, believes his third eye is already open, so... Okay, so say that again. So you believe whatever the third eye is, it's already open to, mm-hmm. to some extent in your life. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, pause that for just a second. To, I, I looked up the term limbo. Limbo was the word oh, from okay. inception. So there's three in, in the film. There's three levels of dream state, and if you go beyond that, it's like now you're in limbo. And so it's like you might you might never get out of limbo. 
So it was a cool, cool concept for the for the film. Um, so it, it almost made it sound. Uh, there was a connection that popped in my mind as you were saying. But okay, so jumping back to the um, to the third eye thing, ha- have you seen the latest um, Doctor Strange film, The Multiverse no. of Madness? I won't give any spoilers, but I think this has already been revealed in like the teaser trailers and stuff. But there's definitely the concept of the third eye that's presented and it's opened and uh, and I'll I'll just say I won't say much more about that. But I've I've run into to people uh, when I was at DHL. There was one uh, female in particular, and she worked on the the morning shift. So as my shift was finishing, the night shift, the third shift, um, you know, she was on the same reload area that I was. But she'd come in, and so we talk a little bit, you know, here and there. I got to got to know her. But one time she comes in, and and she was like a, I think she was a model. She did modeling on the side, very like, and I mean this in the 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 most respectful way possible. Gorgeous woman, like very beautiful. Um, you know, I, I could. It made sense when she said she was a model. It's like ah, I can see that totally. I can see that. Um, but she was also a very interesting person to talk with because there's a point where she came in and she had on some sunglasses. And it's hard to, to just try and visualize this, guys, but imagine you know, sunglasses and uh, the connection point between the two, two lenses or whatever. There was a third lens that was kind of pushed up over her forehead that was connected to the two lenses. Okay, so you, you can at least see it in your mind. Yeah. So I saw that, and I thought, I think that's a third eye reference, but I also didn't know if it was a fashion thing. And so... I asked her, uh, you know, I, I didn't know how to approach the situation. I didn't want to come across too too forward or too offensive or whatever. And and she was really easy to talk with, but I was still kind of getting to know her at this point. But I asked her, I said, I go, I said, so, uh, so is that a is that a fashion statement? <laughs> and I pointed to the you know, glasses. She was like, no, no. I said, I go, is it, or no, no, I didn't say fashion statement. I said, is that a spare? So is that a spare? And she kind of laughed like, no, no, not a spare. I go, is it fashion? She goes, no. And I go, third eye? And she kind of looked at me and was like, yes. Like, almost, how'd you guess? And I'm kind of like, well, <laughs> that was my first guess, but I wanted to ease into it. So then I kind of asked her a little bit about that. Now, she said that she had had some, um, some like, a, I, I, it wasn't a seance, but it was some kind of a thing in the past. This was years back uh, when she was, even years back from the time I talked with her, which was in 2019, where she had had, like, a friend of a friend who could facilitate some kind of like a spiritual experience where they're all sitting around a table with candles and uh, basically kind of reaching out to some kind of level of reality in the spirit realm, something like that. And she didn't really believe much in all of this. She was just kind of like, all right, yeah, I'll do it. When, you know, well, let's see what happens. So just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hang with you guys, essentially. Well, then she started kind of sensing stuff like, whoa, okay, hold on. Something's going on here. Like they got their eyes closed, but she'll, she feels like she's kind of sensing stuff that, Otherwise, she wouldn't have sensed. And so she's kind of like, I was interested in this stuff, but I don't know. And so at that point, she kind of was like, I don't know if I want to pursue this anymore. It's kind of freaking me out. So it's kind of similar to what you described about like the the dance with the devil thing, where she's kind of like, I don't know if I want to pursue that anymore. But there's still kind of that like, okay, what, you know, on an experiential level, now I'm aware that there's something else out there that I can't see. And so I think that was still a like a part of her where she was like, to some degree, you know, if, if you generalize the third eye concept as having another sense of being able to see or perceive things that you otherwise didn't, um, there's a sense in which I think a lot of people from whatever background, religious or otherwise, 
have you know spidey senses like that where it's like I don't know how I knew this or can discern this, but I just have a sense that this is the case, and a lot of times that sense is correct. I think that psychoactive substance can be used in a way to, um, in a religious manner, a lot mm. to send stuff that's going on outside of our reality. And I have a friend who I won't disclose who it is on the podcast, somebody very close to me who uses acid and mushrooms as like a therapy. Mm, okay. So they, anytime they're having like a bad time in their life, they might turn to that and uh, kind of create some connections in their brain to help them get through some things. And um, it's helped them a lot. But um, and I've heard stories like, I don't know if you know, it's not, can't remember the guy's name, but it's one of the pioneers on uh, psychedelic Terrence substance. McKenna? Yeah, Terrence, yeah. Terrence McKenna. Uh, Dude, that guy, his voice, man. It's I, so... I, and when you're taking the... the, team, the team, I can't do the voice, but he's got a very distinct voice. Yeah, have you, have <laughs> you seen, heard the story about him uh, climbing up into a tree and getting struck by lightning? No, I don't think so. so. He takes mushrooms. He had to stutter for like his entire life. Huh. It's really bad stutter, and he takes a bunch of mushrooms. And uh, he gets caught out in a storm in the wilderness on a bunch of mushrooms. And he climbs up into this tree because he thinks it's safe. And you remember seeing a big flash of lightning. And then he wakes up on the ground, stutter gone. Wow. Yeah, and he, he thinks that um, the mushrooms, uh, like, regrew some of the neurons within his brain. Wow, which dude. Which there is some studies, I believe, that show that psychoactive substances can uh, regrow and connect neurons that weren't connected there before. So, yeah, that, that's something that seems, just on the surface, very believable to me. Yeah. Now, because I, I, I know enough about, um, you know, I've heard enough about, like, your brain is always re, re, regrowing itself to an extent, like, based on your habits. Like, so when I'm learning guitar, right, as I practice those neural pathways, you know, that's the whole idea of a habit, doing something habitually, your, those neural pathways start forming. And so then you've got like muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember even when I was learning Spanish and had started to be able to actually speak it pretty fluently, there were points where I would say something in Spanish and then it didn't feel right. Like literally my, I'd make a mistake and it wasn't that I heard it. It was so much, it was more so that I was like, when I said it, it didn't feel correct. Like my mouth muscles didn't, it did. Just, and so then I realized, I'm like, dude, I never realized that when I'm speaking Spanish or speaking a language, literally the way that my mouth moves and the way that my tongue moves to pronounce things, that's also being fed as information to my brain. And my brain's going, oop, you missed a word or you missed something. So I could even be talking without being able to hear myself and my brain could still correct an error You know, if I'm aware that, oh, I missed a, a syllable or a preposition or something in, in a word that I said. That was fascinating to me, and so there's there's literally muscle memory with your mouth. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. And I can look at <laughs> I can look at um, mushrooms and psychedelics and think, hey, what if I took a big dose of a psychoactive substance and it cured my misophonia, mm. right? But also, as somebody who struggles with the concept of reality could cause more problems. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So it's know. like, do you want to do that toying cost? Maybe, maybe or toying coin toss maybe not <laughs> i definitely think that i might experiment them with them like past the age of 25 
because that's whenever your brain's supposed to be fully developed. Oh, okay. And I want to see what's all in this nutcase before <laughs> I go to screwing around with it. Mm. I'd say that's a that's a responsible approach. You know, you're not just jumping into it and going, "Hey, I want to," you know. Well, let me say this much. Um, the, the part of the reason why I was looking at like DMT videos is because, from what I understood from the the you know the the Google research, let's say. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I was reading a lot of different articles and stuff, and listening to people's encounters with with various psychedelics. But the DMT one was one that has a history, even with a, a thing called ayahuasca, which was I think used in like South America and some. Yeah, they're super close chemicals. Yes, yeah, because it used so DMT. From what I understand, it's a chemical substance that's in a lot of like foods. It's like in a lot of vegetables and leafy greens and stuff like that. So it's it's something that's in nature everywhere. But when your body, like if you ate a salad with stuff that's got DMT in it, the way that your your stomach digests it and your digestive tract, it it doesn't break it down in such a way that the DMT goes to your brain and causes the the hallucinogenic or psychedelic experience. And the reason for that is there are there are like receptors in your brain that if the DMT is fed to them or is put on them, then you have the psychedelic experience. But in order to have that happen, you have to have something that basically keeps those receptors open so that the DMT can access them. It's something like that. And again, I'm not a I'm just trying to paraphrase what I remember. And so this ayahuasca thing is crazy. And I remember hearing Jordan Peterson talk about this because the two chemicals come from like in the rainforests or, you know, whatever. They come from like two different regions in, you know, the, the South America area where, where the ayahuasca was, was used by these tribes. Like they're, they're tons of miles away from each other and you have to prepare them in a very specific manner and mix it together into this drink so that basically you've got one chemical that keeps those receptors open in your brain so that then the other chemical, this DMT, is released and is able to go to those those receptors and then you have the, the psychedelic experience. And it's like, well, how'd y'all figure this out? It's like, well, the, the natives would be like, well, the, the plants taught us how to do this. And you're like, you know, that doesn't sound very helpful to a scientific mindset. Like, wait, the plants taught, taught you that what? But then when you take the substance, and it's like these plant spirit things are coming up, these entities and machine elves and all this stuff that people like Joe Rogan talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shout out Joe Rogan. Shout out Joe Rogan, man. Hey, I, Joe Rogan, man, you are an inspiration. I've literally said many times, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but also in sincerity, I want to be the next Joe Rogan. I'm trying to do it, man, and and I'm I'm enjoying it. I can see why you made a career out of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fun. He's done a lot of other stuff though before that kind of jump started even the podcast yeah. that he's doing. But he just started out as something he was doing for fun with his buddies, pretty much. Okay, so I'm on the right track. So Joe yeah. Rogan, man, if I could have you on the podcast, man, that would be amazing. <laughs> have you heard of the burning bush theory with DMT and uh, Moses? Dude, I was about to get into that. Yeah. Go ahead and mention that. So basically, um, uh, so I, I'm i not super known everything about the Bible or anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about the Bible. Hey, I have a degree in it, so I, yeah, you were talking to the but, right guy. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it so is just, useful. It is useful, God. <laughs> so just uh, correct me if I say anything wrong. But basically, I think Moses sees like a burning bush on the top of a mountain. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes up there, and that's where he gets the Ten Commandments, 
But basically, in the region where it was believed that Moses uh, was at, there is the acacia tree. Mm-hmm. And the acacia tree is especially high on DMT. And they think that um, maybe this burning bush was a burning acacia tree, and uh, it was releasing DMT into the air, and he inhaled this and had this spiritual um, experience throughout the DMT. Dude, the DMT. I, thank you for explaining that because I couldn't remember. I remember hearing people talk about this, and I couldn't remember the details. But yes, so for those of you who who maybe are not as familiar with with the biblical literature, uh, and I've I've read through the 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 sixty six books, the Protestant. Uh, I'm not familiar with a lot of the the extra books that are in like the Catholic 66 version. Sixty six of them. Do well, it was just the Bible in the New Testament, Old Testament. Okay, so that's actually a valid point. Let me mention this, and <laughs> bro, you were helping me. You're helping make me feel like my degree was not wasted because <laughs> I don't know. It. <laughs> all about that topic. Well, I can say this. Most of what I learned about the Bible, I learned on my own before going to Bible college. So a lot of it was just the price tag was not worth it. I felt like I, I and that's not a prideful thing to say. I just mean, you don't need a Bible degree to be able to learn about the Bible. Literally, you can just read it and study just read it for yourself. The Bible. Just read it. But for, for to get away misconceptions, technically the Bible, and Bible is, comes from the word biblos, or biblos, which is a Greek word, it just means book. So literally, the Bible means the book, and the Holy Bible means the book that is set apart, like it's a special book. That's that's all it's saying. Um, but technically, it's an anthology. That's the literary term. It's a collection of literature. So let's say you have like Edgar Allan Poe, and you want to put a collection of all of his poems and short stories and books or whatever that he's written, and you put all of those into one document or one book— uh, where you have like a, the chapter headings are all of these different, you know, this poem, this poem, this poem, this this short story. And that technically, it's not one book, but it is one book. But it's a collection of all his writings. So this is the anthology of Edgar Allan Poe, the poet, the American poet. It's one book. That's kind of the way that the Bible is. It's like all of these various documents. Some of them are his, history, uh, accounts of history. Some of them are poetry. Uh, some of them are just a bunch of Proverbs. Like literally the book of Proverbs has 31 chapters of just collections of really cool Proverbs. Like uh, the Psalms, I think, are just songs that were written. Um, so, And some of them have like a, almost like a, <laughs> it, it, this, the descriptions almost sound like something you would see in a psychedelic experience. Like the book of Revelation, which is very well known as a weird book. Jordan Peterson said, he goes, he goes, <laughs> he goes, the book of Revelation is like a psychedelic nightmare. I was like, I'm thinking in my mind, bro, that's probably the best interpretation <laughs> or, or summation of what it is because it's some weird stuff. Very, very symbolic. So, okay, so that's the Bible. You have like the Old Testament, which is a collection of stuff that's based off of like, the, the basic gist is God makes a covenant with a certain group of people, which is just a promise that he makes. And he says, hey, do this stuff, live this way, and I'll bless you for it. If you deviate, then you're going to experience the negative consequences or the curse of that. The New Testament, you have God come down in the form of Jesus Christ as a man. And again, you don't have to believe this. I'm not. I'm not saying that, that you have to believe with. Agree with me. I'm just putting this is this is what the Bible teaches. So, in a nutshell, God comes down as Jesus Christ, accomplishes something very very significant on a on every level of reality of this of this world that we live in accomplishes something with his death, 
uh, resurrection and then offers the salvation to every person who, who puts their trust in him. So then there's a new covenant that's made, a new promise saying like, hey, if you follow this, this Jesus Christ figure, this God and this God man, if you follow what God he's teaching, <laughs> the God man, yeah, because <laughs> he's literally, so the idea is, is you take the essence of who God is, like the spirit of truth would be kind of a way to think of it. And what does it look like to put that spirit within human flesh? Now, there's a lot, I'm, I'm probably stepping over, stepping on tons of toes with all these theological thinkers of different, okay, guys, look. I'm trying to put it in layman's terms, man. Don't, don't. If you want to call me a heretic, get in line. <laughs> Talk to my Bible study degree. Yeah, yeah. You, you can attack TTU, which is uh, actually, it's no longer a college. It closed in 2014. So, <laughs> ha, you can't get me, guys. You can't. <laughs> okay, so that's enough backstory there. With the Moses account and the Acacia stuff, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there, guys. You, you thought I was a heretic. Now you're really going to find out. So there's an encounter where Moses has with a burning bush. Now, it's a crazy story. Think about this. Imagine, imagine if your family member, one of your siblings or your son or daughter, comes back and says, hey, mom, dad, guess what? I was walking home from school, and I, I was walking close to the park, and I saw this burning bush. It was like on fire, but it wasn't like, like it wasn't smoking or burning up. It was just on fire, and then... So I came over to it, and then I heard a voice, and this voice said to me, hey, take off your shoes because you're walking on, like, sacred ground. And so then I took my shoes off, and I was just like, like okay, at this point in the story, would you think that your your daughter, your, your son, had lost their mind? Probably. Probably. And I'm talking to the Christians who believe this story as a, as a fact. But yet, if that were to happen to somebody that you know, you would think they are out of their minds. Like, okay, wait, so what this voice tell you? This voice told me that I need to to go into, I don't know, Canada, Mexico, whatever, somewhere other than the United States. I need to go there, and I need to set everybody free because they're in bondage to slavery, and uh, and this is how I've got to do it, and God's going to tell me what to say. And I asked him to if I could bring, uh, can I bring my brother, my brother Joseph with me? Uh, he's going to come with me too. Like, and then he does it. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you heard of the stone ape theory? Ah, oh, Joe Rogan's mentioned this. Go ahead and yeah. mention that, though. For the- So basically, um, the, the thing, uh, to, to summarize it, because um, you know, like, in evolution, there's uh, the, missing, the missing link between ape and humans that we haven't really, like, found. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's one of the significant holes in the evolutionary theory. Yeah, mm-hmm. which they believe... There's some there's a theory out there, basically saying that uh, as uh, our monkey selves, we are stumbling through the desert where there was not very many foods to eat. So, but we would stumble upon these mushrooms, mm-hmm. and then they would eat these mushrooms and have psychoactive uh, effects on us, and it would connect neurons and um, all kinds of stuff in our brain, and it basically caused us to think, oh, so why are we here? What's hmm. religion? What is all this? And uh, we evolved from that, and that's why we have all these things, and we're so different from every species on this earth because of those those uh, interactions with mushrooms. See, I think I think I remember hearing that, and I've heard it from more than than Joe Rogan, but I remember him talking about that. Because I've I've read a whole college paper on psychoactive substances. Oh, dude, that 
is there a way to is is it like is there a way we can read that? Is there somewhere we can find that? I have to find it myself, probably. Is it posted on the internet somewhere? Or? Oh, okay, I was gonna say if so, we could plug it and I could put it uh, put a link to it. But if not, that's that's fine. Yeah, I'd have to go find it. <laughs> if I find it, I'll send it to you, and then you can like put it in the podcast description. Or something Dude, like I would that. be happy to. I, I'd love to read that myself just just for the just for the heck of it. Um, I'll say this though, with as a commentary to the Moses story, in in the Old Testament, there are laws that God gives to His people, and it's specifically the God, uh, you know, Yahweh. And he's the one that speaks to Moses and says, hey, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, and the reason he does that is because, you know, Egyptian culture, they believed in tons of gods. You had the, you know, the god Ra, who was the sun god, who was kind of the god above all. And you had all these other gods. Like, they believed in tons of gods. And Moses was raised in that culture. So, okay, so you know, like, the basically, uh, like, Nordic beliefs or, like, Greek beliefs. I can't remember which one, but... I guess it's Nordic because Loki. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. I saw I saw this super interesting theory that um, Loki, because you know he's like the trickster, the trickster guy. Yeah. Yes, that. Um, so keep talking, keep talking. Basically, the thing is that uh, the belief is that all of the Nordic gods would eat apples from Eden, and that's how they continued to um, they uh, continued to keep growing that they they would live forever because they're eating the apples from Eden and uh basically if you look at the bible Adam and Eve uh Eve was they were forbidden from eating the apple from Eden the garden of Eden and um basically they think that Loki the theory is that Loki took over the garden of Eden so that the other gods couldn't eat the apples huh and they all died and he convinced everybody that he was the one true God. Dude. And would that not be something that Loki would do? Dude, that's actually fascinating. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, I heard that on TikTok the other day. Like, that's a super, super interesting theory. So while Logan was talking, I, when he mentioned Loki, I literally went over to my Lego collection. and That's I'm, why I was stuttering. I was confused. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're good, man. But I, I brought back a, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, but there's a Marvel a Marvel uh, show that's on the Disney Plus, and uh, it's called just Loki. And so it's about the Marvel character Loki, but he's based off of the Nordic character Loki as well, and, and you know, Thor and all of that. And so I've got the two Lego figures. I've got uh, Loki in his uh, variant costume <laughs> or suit and, and stuff. And anyway... I'm a nerd, guys. I'm a nerd, and I love Legos because I love being able to build stuff. I have since I was a kid. But with the okay, so the interesting thing about what you said with with regard to Nordic uh, mythology is you see a lot of of correlations and comparisons and overlap in tons of the mythologies or of, of various religious worldviews around the world. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just say this, guys. Um, even if you if you're maybe disposed to just chalk up the entire Bible as like this is all hocus pocus whatever, um, that doesn't solve the problem of why are there commonalities of stories from around the world like the flood story, the global flood story, this idea of eight people on some kind of a floating vessel that survived the destruction of an entire world. Like you find that even in the literally the language of Chinese because they use the same type of 
of words and everything. There are literally terms in Chinese that are still used today that are ancient. They're, they're ancient uh, words. You know, they have a history that dates back to you know, who knows how long ago. One of them is used for like a, like a barge or a, a big floating vessel. And if I remember correctly, the, the characters that are used for, for, um, uh, for this Chinese word, um, and I've written it down somewhere, but it's like three different characters, if I'm using that term right. One means mouth or people. Um, it's a box. Uh, I remember it being a square shape. One is the number eight, and then one means like a floating vessel. So all of those three combined into one word in Chinese literally means like a barge. Now, a lot of the the Chinese history, the way that they would uh, do the history of their words is if a historical event happened within that culture, they would make a word based off of that. Um, When I was in uh, South Korea, I I learned this from a guy who was, I mean, a lot of Korean just is comes from Chinese, and he also knew a lot about the Chinese language. He was a very studious person, a very good English speaker, by the way. Uh, his name was uh, Vince. Vince, I got to shout him out. He was one of the best friends I ever met when I lived in South Korea. We had so many amazing conversations. The guy was just brilliant. Um, Young Bean, I think, was his name, but he went by Beans because it was a nickname similar to uh, one, one of his buddies in college called him Beans uh, after Young Bean. Uh, but uh, he ended up picking that as his English name, Vince, like Vincent Van Gogh. So anyway, shout out to Vince, man. I, I have not talked with you basically since I was in South Korea, and you were. I am hope to see you again and your family. You guys were amazing. Um, <laughs> I have to somehow pass my this podcast on to him. I don't know, but anyway, um, he was talking a lot about the 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 the, the Chinese language. And some of the phrases and stuff and proverbs that were used and, and uh, idioms that came that were even used in, in Korean. And so I remember discussing this with them. But a lot of historical events would produce words that would be used and integrated into the Chinese language. And so you even see stuff dating or that references the uh, the Garden of Eden where you have like a, a, a female a character named Eve or a male character and they're in a garden and like the idea of stealing something or betraying something or whatever, they, they pull from this, this common myth, you know, this common idea, this religious idea. And so, and even people, you know, Chinese scholars of this who aren't Christian by any means, they even admit they're like, Oh yeah, no, this is pulling from that story. It's a biblical concept. Yes. They're pulling from the same, the same core story. And again, you have over 250 different, versions of like a global flood catastrophe and we even see scientific stuff uh, you know evidence around the world of like flood layers of of rock and stuff that just has been uh, you know you see it everywhere and so there's there's a lot of things that you have to look at so even if you threw away the bible and like ah it's it's all bunk there's still a lot you have to contend with so you know be be open-minded guys i i know there's a lot of uh, reasons to to dislike the bible or to dislike christians or the religious kind of culture we live in i have a lot of issues with it myself but the uh the the mythology and stuff is definitely fascinating and worth looking into and just trying to look at it from a different perspective so going back to the moses account um i've wondered myself because in the old testament god gives laws to his people and says hey don't do these certain like witchcraft type practices. It's not because 
those things don't work. If anything, it's because they do work. And so he's saying, look, there, there could be, you know, you don't want to be dancing with the devil <laughs> yeah. in some way. Like, hey, if, the, if there's lower powers that are trying to destroy you, you know, if there's this Loki figure who is, you know, uh, messing with stuff and is a trickster, I want to protect you from that. So, you know, here's, it's like, don't go in the dark alley, not because the dark alley is evil, but because there could be some bad guys in the dark alley. And we got to take care of those bad guys first. So all that to say, I've wondered myself if there couldn't have been some kind of a psychedelic that was used in the Moses account and Moses stumbles upon it and then God shows up and says, hey, I'm this God who is not the God of Egypt. I'm a different God. I'm a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I am communicating through this portal, let's say, of the acacia tree or whatever, this this psychedelic experience that does open up to the spiritual realm, and I am utilizing this 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 portal, let's say, um, to communicate with Moses and then give him instructions. And then, if you've ever seen the the movie The Prince of Egypt, uh, that's might be even more entertaining than actually reading the story in the Bible. There's, it's not, it's not entirely accurate, but it's still a great film. I love it. Anyway, so then Moses goes to Egypt and confronts all of the the leadership there, and is like, "Hey, <laughs> let my people go." Uh, you know, the, the, this God that I'm following that told me what to do through a burning bush experience has told me that uh, my people need to get out of here. We're slaves, and and you got to let us go. And it's, it's like a spiritual warfare thing. He's fighting against all the gods of Egypt, and there's some crazy stuff that happens. Like, I'll, I'll say this real quick, and <laughs> I'm covering for Logan. He's, he's got some text going. No, so. I'm listening. No, no, you're fine, dude. I I'm just. No, I was looking for that paper. I got something oh, okay. to bring up here in a minute. Okay, well, feel free to interrupt me because I'm just I okay. wanted to cover for you, but uh, but essentially, I didn't realize you're covering for me. Oh no, you're good, man. I, I hope everybody's at least interested because this is stuff I've thought about. So. Um, but I'll say this much, when Moses and his brother Aaron in the story confront Pharaoh for the first time, and Pharaoh just means king, you know, the king of Egypt, they said, hey, look, you know, all of these, these warehouse-type workers, <laughs> they got to leave, man. We got to take all of them out. Uh, they're no longer going to stay here, and there's this God who's told me that we have to do this. And Pharaoh's like, well, pff, I don't care about you know, your God. I've, you know, I'm, I'm also a God. I'm a, a mouthpiece of one of the gods. And, uh, you know, the god Ra is god of Egypt, and so, you know, prove yourself, essentially. And so Moses, I think, has Aaron take the staff, which is kind of a symbol of authority. Aaron puts the staff out, or Moses puts it out somehow. They put the staff forward, and the staff turns into a serpent, which is, you know, kind of a a miraculous event. Well, then Pharaoh's priests and, and his religious leaders, they put their staffs forward, and they're like, watch this, we can do it too. And their staffs turn into serpents. And so then you basically you have one serpent versus a bunch of serpents. And in the story, the one serpent from Aaron and Moses eats up all of the other serpents. So that's kind of symbolic of like, hey, this one God that Moses is following can actually defeat all of the other gods. You know, the authority that comes from these priests um, and, and their gods are, are lesser. And so... This serpent devours the other ones, and then Moses picks it back up, and it turns back into a staff. So it's like a that's like a symbolic representation. It's like <laughs> one of my buddies said, it's like a wizard battle. You have the wizards fighting with their staves, and uh, one staff defeats the other one, so he has all the authority now. You know, even the other gods, you know, he's he's got control of that. And so then the whole story is all these plagues and stuff that are against all of the different 
spiritual gods and stuff, the God of the Nile, the God of the frogs. Like the whole thing is a very spiritually driven story. And we miss that in a lot of, you know, average churchy type settings. So fascinating story, guys. Even if you if you think it's pure fiction, dude, it's a cool story. Just read it like that and watch the film uh, The Prince of Egypt. <laughs> All right, so uh, it's a long you monologue. Uh, at the beginning of that uh, thing, uh, how uh, a bunch of things are accounted for over a bunch of different varying cultures. Mm. And uh, another one of those things is things like dragons. Like yes. every culture has a story about dragons. And then um, one of the things that, uh, going back to like having a hard time with reality, do you know the movie uh, Spiderwick Chronicles? Yes. So I watched that as a, at a super young age, right? And ever since then, I've been convinced that there's like goblins and gnomes and stuff that we just can't see with our eyes, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that, kind of screwed me up in the head i guess but uh if you why are there so many stories about goblins and fairies and all kinds of stuff if none of that has ever existed dude i've I've asked the same questions like there's so many stories about it and you could look at stuff like uh whenever they're trying to kill all the witches uh could they have killed all these creatures too along with it seeing Hmm. them as witchcraft hmm and then, like, because um, we know that there's animals, like birds, they don't fossilize very well. Cause they mm-hmm. have hollow bones. What if these creatures had hollow bones, and that's why we don't have any fossils of them? Oh, I see. So, like, extinct creatures. Yeah. Think of how many extinct creatures didn't get fossilized. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and then if you think about a totally different subject, if you think about... I always think about what it was like during the days of the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't really know what these things look like. We're just now figuring out that T-Rexes probably had feathers. Interesting. I've never heard that. Yeah. Huh. So, because we knew that, like, velociraptors probably had feathers, but they're thinking maybe a lot of these things had feathers. And see, that's even based on speculations of just... Because people are looking at, like, okay, does the stri- the bone structure or the general shape of some of these dinosaurs look like anything today. And one of the one of the theories that's been put forward, or the hypotheses, is, well, there's a lot of birds, like ostriches and stuff like that, that kind of share similar structure. So maybe there's some kind of a link between that. Yeah, we could go back and they all look like birds. We really have no idea. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't have any, yes. And we don't know how <laughs> many of them did not get fossilized, how many different species and things did not get fossilized. Now, dude, here's another interesting thing. I've seen this. I've seen the the uh, photos of it at the very least, and there's been documentation. There's been videos and stuff done from the scientists who discovered it. Um, but we, we find in archaeology even like uh, artistic representations of like a stegosaurus or something mm-hmm. like that, like dinosaur-looking figures that are clearly, you're like, oh, yeah, I know what that, that looks like a dinosaur. But supposedly we weren't alive during that time. Today. Yes. So, like, it, was there something else that was as intelligent as us that could be there? It's, see, so here's my, here's my running theory or running hypothesis, let's say. And part of this I see, okay, so I'll just say this much. In the biblical literature, it's very, very, I, I shouldn't say it's very clear. But if you look at it, 
dinosaurs would be considered land animals. There's some that are not. They're not technically land animals. Uh, there's a, dinosaurs. Is a very broad definition. We have a lot of stuff, but some of the dinosaurs would be land animals. And in the creation account in Genesis, um, it mentions that like land animals were were all created on a specific day. I forget which day it is, but you know, there's like a week long event where God's creating the world. And so the animals, the land animals, are literally created on the same day that that Adam and Eve are, the first two humans. So the idea in the biblical literature is that man and, and every type of animal coexisted at one point. So that's obviously different than like the evolutionary worldview. Um, but I still believe, even, no matter what you think about the, the evolutionary thing with the dinosaurs, I think just on my own research that there was a point at which man and dinosaurs coexisted. I think that the some of the artwork and stuff that's been in caves uh, around the world depicting uh, people hunting different types of dinosaurs and even some sightings. Like there's been people who've gone to like South American cultures to the tribes and showed a picture of like a behemoth or something. Um, a behemoth is actually, a, I think it's the, um, it's like the long necked dinosaur that has the four legs and the long tail, like a brontosaurus or I don't know all the names of the dinosaurs, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. So for, the, for my buddy, uh, Derek, who I had had on, um, D E, R-E-K. He knows like every single dinosaur name, so I'll have to ask him. But there's dinosaurs like that that they've shown, and they're like, oh, yeah, no, we, we know what that animal is. Yeah, he, he lives out here, and they, they even had a name for him. They're like, yeah, but he lives in the jungle or the rainforest, and uh, he's kind of mean, so we don't go over there. It's like, what do you make of that? Like, some of these people are saying they've seen dinosaurs. <laughs> so, dude, if there's anybody out there who wants to hunt dinosaurs, or at least find them, dude. I'm game. <laughs> we, I'm game. Well, see, we the thing is, we would have to bring this like into New York City and be like, "Hey, we have a dinosaur." Because if you try to do a video of it, people would just say it's been there edited. There is a really CGI. great show um, on Discovery that I believe it's on Discovery. Uh, it's called Extinct or Alive, mm. where they hunt down animals that are believed to be extinct, like recently extinct. Or mm-hmm. and uh, try and figure out if they are still extinct. So they have actually found a couple animals that were believed to be extinct that um, are no longer registered as extinct because they found them on the show. So it's not like a monster hunters or mm-hmm. anything like that or looking for Bigfoot. It's they're actual biologists that are going out and looking for these things. Okay. It's really interesting. See, I think I've heard of stuff like that, like where people thought that a certain type of bird was extinct, and in a certain region it was, but then they discovered it like in another country of the world, and they're like, oh, wait, those birds are still here. Okay, it's no longer extinct. It just isn't over in this part of the world. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, one question I have for you is because I know that the Bible doesn't uh, technically go with the theory of evolution. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, like as far as I understand it, it is said that God made us from clay or something like that, right? Yeah, Why from the dust of dirt? the ground. Yeah, yep, probably a clay. Could he? Like that. Uh, could that have been a super simple, 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 like simplified or simplified, or? simplified version of he took dirt and some molecules and evolved us to be who we are? Ooh, dude, that's a good question. I'll say this. I know people who are... If you go back to like the days of like Moses or whatever, 
the days of all this biblical stuff going on, do you think if you went and told them how we evolved that they could understand that and write it down? Hmm. I don't think that they could because that's so outside of what they understand that they would be like, okay, he created us from dirt. Hmm. That's a really good question, dude. And see, I'll say this much at the least, and this is for people, especially if you're familiar with the biblical literature, there's so little that's mentioned in terms of like the history of the beginning of humanity, even in, in the book of Genesis, where you have literally, that's what Genesis means, the beginning. Like we just don't have a lot of records from that time period. We have just little snapshots here and there. So there's not... There's not a lot of literary or literature from that time period. <laughs> so that's why a lot of it's in, in the realm of myth. Um, I can say this too. I do know personally of, of many, uh, well, and I also know just in general, there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians, and I wouldn't say that they necessarily aren't, but who believe that God used evolution as a means of bringing about man. So in a sense, there was like a kind of the 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 goo to you idea, but it's, you know, dust. And then over time, you know, and, and so it was like a, it was like a divinely driven evolution. And there's, this gets into like all of the more the theological type stuff where people have debates and say, you're a heretic and well, you can't come to my church and, you know, (laughs) and all of that mess. But to me, um, I, I mean, I've got buddies who I, who, who I consider good friends and I don't, how would I put it? It's possible to be wrong about something in your religious beliefs without being like a an adversary to it. So even if I was like, ah, I don't think, you know, there's reasons why I think, you know, theologically that that wouldn't add up. I don't hate the person who says, well, I think it makes sense. Like, <laughs> I'd rather just talk with them about it. So I'll give it an example for those who are wondering. Um, one issue is the whole idea is that when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, which, incidentally, we think of it as an apple, and that comes from medieval times because there was like plays where they would enact that, and Adam would eat a slice of the apple, and it would get stuck in his throat, which is why we get the Adam's apple thing. <laughs> so that that's that's literally comes from from stuff like that. But it was some kind of a fruit, maybe an apple. Um, but they eat the forbidden fruit, and then after that, then God gives a curse of death upon the entire world. It's like death is then brought. So one of the issues that people bring up is they say, well, wait a minute. If God used evolution, then there's a bunch of death that happens even before there was like a sin that occurred. And so they're like, well, how do you wrestle with that? But then other people will say, well, that's death of animals. This, we're talking about death of, of man. and that. So there's debates back and forth on that. So I have a really good thing because it's coming up on the time where I have to go. All right, all right. I'll leave them with something to ponder about that I just thought about. Okay, let me make sure your mic picks all this up. Okay, so going back to the stone date theory, right? Mm -hmm. And the missing link and all that stuff. What if the forbidden fruit was the mushrooms? Dude, I've I've heard that. And, And what if after we ate it, we are cursed with sentience? To have to live this life where we stress and we have anxiety and all the stuff that most of the animals don't have to have to bother with. What if the mushrooms and uh, the exact point where you can see the mission, missing link was the exact point that we ate the mushrooms and we got 
So for all the for all the Bible nerds out there, it does say that when Adam and Eve ate this forbidden fruit, their eyes were opened. It says they saw they were naked at that point. So they saw things differently. They are now like, wait a minute, we're exposed. They could be interpreted as their skulls changed. Dude, it could. And it could be that they're like, wait a minute, now we are exposed to beings in a realm that we didn't. Dude, that's actually a very interesting question. Yeah, so I'll, I'll leave that on there for everybody on. Including me to ponder. Yeah, everybody to ponder. Dude, that is an epic conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I thought about that whenever I did. Dude, I am too, man. Oh, dude, it's been so good having you on this podcast, Thank you, man. man. Thank you. Oh, my goodness, Hopefully guys. I can find that paper and send it to you. I think if I can get back into my old college uh, login, then I should be able to find it. Okay. Well, and the good thing is I can update it after I've even posted the yeah, episodes, yeah, I know. so I can always add it to it. So you guys can check every week if I ever found it. <laughs> You're going to have to check back, guys. You have to check back to the podcast. Oh, man. Well, okay, so we do want to wrap up here. It's been a, we're getting close to that hour and a half, a uh, few minutes left. But um, anything you want to, to, to add? I mean, that that guys, was that not an awesome question at the end for anybody i don't care who you are or what you think of the bible or whatever that's such a good question and i love that it's something this is why i like talking with people from different perspectives because i don't think of these questions and in church crowds we don't think of these questions <laughs> so yeah oh that's so good dude well, i hope everybody has a good night or or day, <laughs> or, day. or life what, yeah whatever you're doing <laughs> any whatever you're doing any social media you want to plug um I can plug my Instagram. Do it, bro. I can put a link to it there as well. Yeah, just so if anybody wants to follow me, you can. I don't post very often, but it uh, it is uh, Logan Creech, L-O-G-A-N-C-R-E-E-C-H-8. And that's my Instagram. Eight, like the number eight. The number eight. Okay. That's his Instagram. And uh, he doesn't post that often, guys, so that means whenever he does post, but you it's can, extra you can, special. You can DM me if you have any questions or anything. Yes. Oh my goodness, dude. You're definitely gonna have to come back on. Yeah. And for we sure. can, this we was can a blast. We'll bring Jeremy in, we'll rope some other people in. And dude, I can't see every podcast gets better and better. Steven, your podcast was amazing with you, man. I love this. It was amazing. But when I say it got better with Logan, that's not a diss at you, man. That's like you helped me get to this next step. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> uh, well guys. I thank you so much again to the audience for listening to this. I hope you enjoyed this even even just close to the amount that I did just talking with Logan. Um, and be ready for more of this. We're going to get more people in, and, and it's just going to get better and better. So, again, we both wish you a great time of day whenever, <laughs> whenever you're listening to this. It's night for us, but uh, have a good life. And keep thinking of these questions and, and pondering them. Uh, Don't believe anything just because someone said it. Ooh, that's good. Question everything. Hey, I might even put a question. Uh, I'll, I'll try and put a question or two in the, uh, the Spotify podcast so you can you can come up with answers to it. All right, guys. Have a great one, and uh, stay tuned because there's going to be more, more podcasts in the near future. All right. God bless.